Hey, Jub. Hey. Hey, again. <laughs> Are you in the middle of lifting weights or dying, dying. or shitting? All right. Well, all of them at the same time, dude. Lifting I, weights, dying, away. and shitting. Yeah, all at the same time. Oh, all right. Well, it's a, it's a it's a rough life out here. You know what I mean? That's weird. Okay. I mean, you know, I ain't gonna kink shame or nothing. But anyway, um, you know who I am well, gonna like kink, kink shame? shame? Oh. Tom Brady. <laughs> I don't think making out with your son is a good kink at all. That's a pretty bad one. That's a bad kink. But anyway, I I don't know. That was a bad transition into talking about Super Bowl 55. Am I right with the number? I actually don't even know. I think I think it's 55. It's an L V, right? I think so. Or, I think you're right. I don't, I don't know. Who cares? It's Super Bowl something. Uh, there's one of them every year. Giving them a number is just like they might as well just call it Super Bowl 2021 at this point. I like the tradition of it though a little bit. Roman numerals are fun. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I know we don't talk about uh, football on here often, but you know I regularly watch it and you regularly watch it. Uh, and mm-hmm. even if we didn't, everybody basically watches the Super Bowl just because. Um, I feel like maybe less watched this one this year than maybe have ever. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It, like, they always seem like they break record numbers, but when you don't hear about that immediately after the fact, I assume not as many people watch this one. I don't know. Yeah, there's also not as much of an excuse to watch it because like people do big parties and watch the Super Bowl with their friends or a big party group and that shouldn't be happening this year. I'm sure it happened to small degrees around the country because people are dumb, but uh, I don't know. It just didn't feel like as big of an event this time around, Uh, and the game matched that energy. By being boring. Yep. <laughs> uh, I am, uh, you know, I, I'm a Steelers fan, so so my care for this postseason died immediately on the vine. Uh, and you're a Packers fan. This year's died a couple weeks ago. Right. But... I do have, you know, friends of the podcast and in real life uh, who uh, like them Chiefs. And I like the Chiefs to a degree. They seem like, you know, pretty chill organization with people I respect in it. Uh, They're very, very good football team. Like one of the best quarterbacks of all time leading that shit, inarguably at this point. And I was expecting more from that team, but there was a lot of factors that led to them losing. But uh, I have no respect, really, uh, for Tom Brady. I mean, I guess I respect his skill, but as a person, I don't, because he seems like a bit of a douche, and he's a known uh, MAGA head, and he yeah, makes out shit. with his son, question mark? I don't really know where that meme started, but it, I won't ever let it die. Because it's a random ellipse. <sighs> that's, that's a little weird. I don't know. Anyway, 
So it was kind of frustrating and not fun to see Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl ring, uh, this time with a new team. Uh, you know, feels like the bad guys won the Super Bowl again. I don't know. Uh, granted, I mean, you know, nothing taken away from you if you're a Tampa Bay fan. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, it's been a while since you had a Super Bowl. It's fine. I understand being hype about it. And it was pretty cool to see, you know, I, I assume as a Tampa Bay fan, see your team be the home team at the Super Bowl. But I, that means less in 2020 and 2021 than it ever has. Because it's not like fans packed the stadium. I'm surprised there was that many at all. It's kind of reckless. Great super spreader event, that Super Bowl. But, uh... It's just big dumb, man. It, big it fucking is big dumb. dumb. Yeah. So Tom Brady as a person, uh, fuck that guy. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like when he wins because of that. You know, just like you know, other teams that are successful, I, I don't like you know automatically hate them because they're successful. I think it it takes a personality and your actions off the field for me to actually hate you. And, and Brady's one of those people. What, what did you take of the game? Hard to agree. It was awful. <laughs> Had a bad time, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Ugh. I think watching that Bucks defensive line was really fun. Um, they're dummy good. And the reason why the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were able to stop was, the best offense in the NFL. Right. That's the thing, like. Able to stop the best best offense of the NFL while having an efficient offense of their own. Like, yeah, you get that going for you, you're gonna likely win everything. Everybody, just kind of how it goes. Trying to figure out how do you stop the Chiefs, and apparently, it's just you just stop their offense and you're good, because the Chiefs defense is so fucking terrible that the other team will score, and that's been the case all year. Every single Chiefs game has been close, basically. Like, all of them. And that is because, while the offense scores constantly, the defense lets the other team score pretty regularly. So, games were always close, even against opponents that the Chiefs should have throttled. And, unfortunately, when they came up against an opponent who also had a good offense, but also had a stellar defense... Uh, I don't know. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes can't do anything. All of a sudden, yep. you know, you're not seeing Tyreek Hill a lot. You got a couple good catches from Kelsey, but it was too little too late. Uh, didn't see Sammy Watkins at all. He was probably too busy, you know, trying to find out if the world's flat or if lizard people was, are running everything or whatever he does. Uh, he was inactive that game. I thought he was uh, listed as active at the beginning. Well, oh, mm. I don't know. Either way, he was busy. He played like he was, a single snap. He, no, yeah, I guess not. He, either way, he was busy measuring the curvature of the Earth. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, you know, sometimes when the Super Bowl is bad, you can have at least, you know, other things to look forward to during the event because it's an event. You got that halftime show, which is, you know... I, I didn't like this year. I don't know. Nothing against the weekend. 
I like some of his songs and I like some of the songs that he played, but for whatever reason, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I felt like his performance was not that great. Oh, it was really bad. Um, and I, I, the visuals that were going on weird were not as fuck. my favorite. Like they were weird and I appreciated them being weird. This weird army of diaper headed minions that were walking around, uh, kind of gave me like some like uh pink floyd uh another another brick in the wall vibes with all the kids wearing the masks walking into the walking into the meat grinder but you know it wasn't that interesting (laughs) it was like the the you know dollar store version of that they're just walking with masks and like i don't know is it masks because covid is it masks because why I don't what know. is the, I have, what? How does it link to the songs that you yourself are playing? Which, like you know, like the weird visuals at least should have a point and a connection to the songs that are happening. Right. I don't really feel like that was the case with the weekend. Like you know, it did feel like it. I don't know. I have no idea. And, and I, have no idea, I, I don't think weird. he had a whole lot of stage presence, weirdly. He he was kind of just, like, standing around and singing. He wasn't, like, you know. Well, he was aimlessly walking through that mirror, man. <laughs> yeah, just, like, looking left and right, like, as the as the, the sonic drowning music was playing or something. Just, like, <laughs> looking left and right feverishly. That's, like, the only real meme that came out of this uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and then you have like new commercials, and uh, they were all bad. And I guess oh, that's yeah. usually the case. I used to look forward to the commercial aspect of the Super Bowl when I was like younger, and uh, I think just I've gotten more cynical, but also maybe more like wise when it comes to this stuff. Like as I get older. Because, like, I don't know. My dad said something interesting during the game that has kind of stuck with me. Uh, We were watching that uh, Matthew McConaughey Doritos commercial for Doritos 3D, where Matthew McConaughey is a flat man. He is 2D Matthew McConaughey, and he needs to eat the Doritos 3D to become 3D Matthew McConaughey again. And it... like I don't know, I I, I kind of just rolled my eyes and said this is stupid, and yeah. my dad said something along the lines of like this is like what America's come to, this is fucking terrible, and I was like, Dad, I don't I don't think it's that fucking serious, dude. But then he said, <laughs> No, like the reason this disgusts me is because everything that's going on in the world right now, and Doritos spends a billion dollars to make this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I can, can kind of see what you mean there. True. That it's so much money spent on these terrible, terrible commercials that are not funny. Just billions wasted on Super Bowl commercials. And this has always been the case, but like maybe like with the added context of like COVID and everyone is losing their jobs and losing their homes and is poor, I am allowed to view 
the Matthew McConaughey Doritos commercial with more cynicism than I would have previously, I think. And I think that will be the case for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. And also, I think I saw a tweet that said, like, these commercials seem designed for, like, the ants who, like, clap when a celebrity appears on Saturday Night Live or something like that. And I agree. <laughs> like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. No, really. Is. Look, it's Wayne's World. <laughs> Now oh, that was so bad. Now Wayne's World is is a very funny sketch and a very funny film, but uh, like I don't know, it just like struck me as like what if we brought Wayne's World back, but then they didn't have any jokes to make about it. It was just what if we right. brought Wayne's World back? That's not that interesting to me. It's just like oh no, they talked to Cardi B, and it's just like rolling my eyes and wanting to die. Yeah. You know. They just made no fucking sense. They never do, man. Like, I think we're just getting more old and cynical, man. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, But (laughs) I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in the face of rampant consumerism. Uh, True, true. I'd rather face it cynically than, uh, you know, being like, look... Lucas, Mike Myers, and Dana Carvey. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, sure, I like those guys. They're funny, but, you know, they're not going to make me use Uber Eats or whatever they were advertising. Uh, I think it was Uber Eats. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. One of those. Uh, One of those fucking... Mm. food delivery services. Oh, hey, before we transition to the actual episode, I got one more thing I want to ask you about. Oh, because okay, this okay. is this is something that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. Uh, but it disturbed me a little bit. And uh, at the beginning of the Super Bowl, like right before it was going to start, uh, they were advertising these little clips of a, a walking man with a coat and a hat. And you hear his voice. And I'm like, is that, is that supposed to be Lombardi? And it was like, uh, stay tuned for a special thing before the Super Bowl kickoff. And I was like, what are they doing? Lombardi's not going to show up. That man has been dead for years. What are you talking about? Are they just going to play like clips? Of- no, it was way worse than what I could have even imagined. Uh, they had a hologram Lombardi at the Super Bowl. Like... And it was really awkward because it looks like a hologram would. Fake and weird. You know. And they had him deliver his, you know, famous speech. Or or a version of it. You know, I guess to rally up everybody. uh, Simultaneously for the Super Bowl, but simultaneously that we will get past... COVID or the hard times of the current age, I suppose. And it was like a clearly weird CGI man Lombardi. And, yeah. and, and, and like there was this really awkward shot where they like cut to Patrick Mahomes and he wasn't looking at it. But I think they like wanted, they were thinking that he would look at it. 
and be like, whoa, it's Lombardi or something, but he was just not looking at it. And it was funny. Uh, (laughs) So they just like cut to a reaction of him just looking another direction. Uh, I don't know. It just struck me as really strange. And I don't know who signed off on that and who okayed it. I I don't know. Holograms of dead people weird me out. Yeah. You know, we've heard a lot about the Tupac hologram. This gives me similar bad vibes. And it was like before the actual game started, so maybe people didn't catch it. Maybe that's why people aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, don't like that. Don't do that again, NFL. Please. Yeah, please, whoever. We don't again. need Jesus Christ. We don't need a CGI monster John Madden next time. We really don't need it. Although I think John Madden's still alive. They'll wait till he's dead, and then they'll do CGI John Madden. Oh God, John Madden. <laughs> he's gonna crash through the fucking jumbotron, holding the football. Only if they play the uh da 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 Madden. Oh Madden. yeah, hell yeah. What was that? Madden ninety three or something? Yeah. God. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Madden ninety three for the Super Nintendo, baby. Hilarious. Yeah, it was. Only if that. Otherwise, cancel the whole thing. <laughs> the, the, the game and everything. Football is canceled. Boo. Hell yeah. (laughs) Until next year. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get and Jump Hey. I'm Jub. Today, we talk about My Neighbor Totoro. Yay. Happy oh, movie oh. is good. Mm-hmm. Good happy movie. Low, low, low whimsical piece. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the purest movie ever made, honestly. Like, it's up there. I like, it is. There's sure. very little... Uh, that I can say about it that is negative. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll, like, be my favorite of his movies, but, like, you know, I, I've seen it before this, and I will probably see it again after this, and just, like, every time I watch it, it puts me in a good mood, no matter what else is happening in my life, and I appreciate that immensely. It's just a good, light-hearted kids' movie that you can still watch as an adult. Yeah. It's, it's good shit. Mm-hmm. We will get to it a little bit later. Let's kick this off. I'm sure there is some dumb thing you want to talk about. There's always some dumb thing I want to talk about. Um, right. Hit, hit me up. So this happened a couple weeks ago. But we've been kind of on a uh, crappy podcast schedule as of late. Hopefully that is mostly corrected. We will see. We will try. But uh, I got some Tony Hawk podcast news, so uh, 
hit hit me with the Tony Hawk podcast theme song question mark. Uh, fuck, which one's that one? I don't think we had one established. I was just seeing what would happen. Okay. Oh, um, um, <laughs> a Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk, <laughs> Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk. All right, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, welcome to the Tony Hawk. <laughs> uh, Genhart talks about Tony Hawk again podcast. Um, it, it, semi-regular podcast because I talk about Tony Hawk a lot. Anyway, uh, hopefully this, <laughs> this is not the, the last episode of it because I have bad Tony Hawk news for you. So uh, the new the newest uh, game in the franchise was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. You've heard me uh, on the Again and Jub Show podcast inside the podcast. The Tony Hawk uh, again talks about Tony Hawk Show podcast. You've heard me talk about this game. Uh, it's a good game. I, I was very happy at the return of one of my most beloved video game franchises with the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. That was developed by Vicarious Visions, who did a pretty stellar job, in my opinion. However, oh, yeah, unfortunately, did. Vicarious Visions is owned by Activision. I got an article up here. I will just uh, read a little bit of the article. It's sourced to IGN.com by Adam Bankhurst. Uh, Activision merges Blizzard and Vicarious Visions. Uh, Activision Blizzard has confirmed that Vicarious Visions, the developer behind such titles as Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 and the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, is officially being merged into Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, as reported by GamesIndustry.biz, the Vicarious Visions team of about 200 people will now be employees of Blizzard and are, quote, fully dedicated to existing Blizzard games and initiatives. This means Vicarious Visions will no longer be creating games as a lead developer. So uh, there's a little bit more here, but nothing of real substance that answers the burning question on my mind, which is, does this mean any hope of more Tony Hawk games is dead in the water? Um, I would hope not, but this doesn't bode well to me. Uh, With how much 1 plus 2 sold, yeah, it's kind of I'm insane sure there's going to be... the direction they're taking after that. Well, apparently what was happening is... Uh, Vicarious Visions has been working on a Diablo 2 remake for a very long time. Is this confirmed or rumored? Uh, Shrier reported on it, so I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty confirmed. Oh, okay. I did not um, know that part of the story. Yeah, so... I guess Activision Blizzard just kind of absorbed them and focused them entirely on that project. I'm sure they're going to be re remaking other, like, Activision or Blizzard games as well. Probably just, if they're shipping them off completely to Blizzard, they're going to be yeah. working on that Diablo 2 remake or even stuff like Overwatch 2 or WoW yeah. or who knows. There's 200 people there. They might not all stay together on one project. Right. Uh, yeah, you never know. I don't know. I would just say, as a Tony fan, this makes me sad because I wanted to see this team perfect their craft and work on, you know, remakes of maybe three and four or maybe even Underground One. Uh, 
and just make even better Tony Hawk games because one plus two is fantastic, but there is still room for improvement, particularly when it comes to the online play. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted to see more Tony Hawk games. I, I, this coming back isn't like the last thing I wanted. This was a start (laughs) in my opinion to the comeback of the franchise. And I, I hope that isn't completely dashed against the stones here in favor of making WoW or whatever. I guess Diablo 2 Remake is a, is a good way to spend time, though. That sounds viable. If it's good. Yeah. I remember they made that Warcraft 3 Remake. And that was... Uh, that, that was pretty sus. Yeah, that was sus. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty fucking uh, sus. She was terrible. I believe Beanox also helped on this, and they are still doing what they're doing. I think they recently did uh, Beanox and Toys for Bob. I think they recently did the Crash Four, and I, I don't know if Activision is impressed with the sales numbers on that or not, but maybe. They'll let them make a Tony Hawk because Beanox was the co-developer on THPS One Plus Two. We will see. I am not certain of the future of this franchise at all. I wish they'd come out and say something. Like, don't worry, Tony Hawk's not dead. Tony Hawk, can yeah. you come out and tell us if you're dead or not, please? I'd appreciate it. Anyway, that's about it for the Tony Hawk podcast. Hopefully there will be another episode with more news in the future. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Okay. Yeah. We did it. So, uh, there's something uh, that I started real quick that I'd like to talk about just for a minute. Yeah. Um, a little, uh, I was browsing the the uh, Xbox Game Pass for PC library, which, by the way, is uh, incredible. That's a good deal. Yeah. That's a lot of games. A whole lot of games. And uh, I was browsing there, and there's a little game on there that I heard quite a few people rave about earlier uh, last year called Cross Code. I was like, hmm. I have never heard of that. Okay. Yeah, um, it is an action RPG that has, like, Zelda-like dungeon elements to it. It is very interesting. Um, it's like a... The game, it's like a game within a game weird shit, where it's like, you're playing a game called CrossCode, but you're in an MMO... Uh, which is weird, and I, I don't understand the plot yet, but I'm also very, very, very... You're inside in a game, inside the game? Right, yeah. Okay. Like Sword Art or something? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but it seems like there's a lot more going on in the background. Your character, it's not like it showed you anything with your character, like, before you went into the game. Apparently, you, you don't have your memories, and you can't speak. Okay. 
So there's some reason why that happened. No idea what's going on. Those people at this tutorial thing were like, yeah, you, uh... Try to get your memories back by playing the game. I'm like, okay, whatever you say, Dad. <laughs> and they went in, but the uh, the combat system is really fun. Um, it's you have like your, you have like a it's a 2D game, kind of an open plane, like mostly open planes to fight on. Um, you can use a mixture of ranged and melee attacks. You uh, the ranged attacks kind of play out like a twin stick shooter. Where you use the right stick to aim, and then the right trigger to fire while you're moving around, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then they also have like a like a dodging system and guards and all that kind of stuff and a big ass skill tree. It looks like Final Fantasy X's skill tree if you've ever seen that. Their level up system. Uh, giant grid. sure, yeah. It's a giant ass grid, and you could like pick stuff. That's that's kind of what a cross codes looks like. So I'm interested to dive into that a little bit. It's supposed to be a pretty short game, just a nice little indie experience. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give this a shot. It looks like fun. I'll report back later about it. But uh, if you like if you like action RPGs, you should check it out. Cool. In a few hours, and I'm already having a great time. That sounds neat. I don't know. I've actually okay. haven't even heard about it. Was it on like a lot of end game uh, end of the year lists and stuff? I was on Shriers. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Who, I don't think anybody else really played it that much. It was a Switch game. Ah, uh, okay. And then, it, and then it came to Xbox. Uh, the games pay us. Months later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's cool. So I just, quote unquote, finished a uh, a big, big, big platinum trophy. A big, big Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. Um, I platted GTA Five. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's my sentiment as well. Uh, thank right. God. So, um, I talked about this a bit on my Twitter. I ranted, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, you've already heard me talk about it. On this program here, I don't like GTA Online very much. I don't find it very fun. I do, however, like GTA 5 a great deal. That is honestly probably one of the best games ever made. It's very intricate. I like a lot of the systems in it. There's so much stuff to do in it. Uh, it's really well executed. It's beautifully designed. Um, it's aged a little bit because it's from 2013. However, the people making GTA Online are still trying to make content now and pass it off as like, look, it's the best new game, even though this is technically a engine that was designed for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. But whatever. And coming soon to the PS5 and Xbox Series X slash S, we... Uh, anyway, most of the work I did to get the trophies for GTA 5 were a lot of fun. Um, most of the trophies that I had to gruel through for GTA Online, however, were not fun. 
getting to level 100 with having skipped several years of this game's like existence and not having a lot of people to play with and do like heists with and stuff is not fun. It's really not fun. I didn't even finish uh, the new heist. I fully intended to, as an assistant, to help me level up and to help me uh, grind out some uh, platinum rewards that I needed to get like 30 of or so, I was going to do the new Cayo Perico heist. However, it is really, really boring setting up the Cayo Perico heist. You have to do several dumb little missions, one of which is on that new island location, and it is boring as fuck and frustrating and terrible because it relies <laughs> on one of the worst mechanics in GTA 5 slash GTA Online, which is the stealth. Uh, yeah, stealth is not very awful. good in that game. Now, thankfully, no. in GTA 5's missions, there are several missions that suggest stealth, but if you fuck up and are seen, it becomes a not-stealth mission, and you can just shoot people, and that's fun and fine. You know, when you're creeping up on the biker trailer park to plant C4 on all the trailers, you're not supposed to get seen, like, is what the game suggests to you. But Trevor can get seen. You just you just go like, ah, fuck it, and just shoot everybody. Multiple ways to approach a mission is fun. The Cayo Perico setup is... You're forced to be stealthy. If you get seen by a guard, you get a cutscene where they hit you in the face with the butt of the rifle and bring you back to the gate where you started this little mission. And that happens every time. And you will see that unskippable cutscene 30 times minimum while doing setup for the Cayo Perico heist. Uh, I just kind of got frustrated with the whole experience and said, fuck it, and have not finished the Cayo Perico heist. I'm sure the actual act of actually robbing the drug baron or whatever the fuck is maybe fun, but the million little setup missions are not that fun. And I experienced constant frustration with the game not working properly throughout it. Uh, I had the game disconnect during my setup for the Cayo Perico heist from the internet, and I had to do the whole thing over again. And when I say the whole thing over again, I had to watch the about 10 minutes of unskippable cutscenes that introduce you to that event again. Uh, it is insane that the game doesn't let you skip those. I assume it doesn't let you skip those because you're only supposed to see them once. But, uh... I had to watch them three times. Because I also was under the impression that there would be some kind of autosave mechanic, and there was not. And I and, and that was probably when my frustration boiled over, and I said fuck it yeah. to this entire thing. Uh, right. So their new content isn't good either. Um... I cannot recommend platting this game, even though the GTA 5 portion of it is fun. I kind of just went full sunk cost fallacy and powered my way through it to get the plat. I have now platted every single Grand Theft Auto game besides 4, which is actually impossible. 
uh, because no one plays the online for GTA 4, and there's online trophies. Thanks. Love online trophies. They're never inconvenient in the future when nobody plays your game. Boy, I love when developers put in online trophies. I'm being sarcastic. I don't like that at all. Ah. Uh, Anyway, I did that. That's that's <laughs> over with. Yay. Oh, God. Dude. Moving on to bigger and better things. That was a nightmare for Maybe you, Maybe not man. bigger, I'm but so better sorry. things. Uh, honestly, God, good on you for the absolute determination. I should not be praised for this. I should be reprimanded. <laughs> I should have stopped. There's, I didn't have fun for several hours. <laughs> I had to make my own fun in GTA Online. You know, and it wasn't fun even then. I I wish my brain worked a different way sometimes, and I didn't, like, feel the need to quote-unquote 100% a game by platting it. Wish I didn't feel that way sometimes. But, whatever. It's done. My brain can stop now. Hell Yay. yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Mm. Good job but jesus christ man i would have not had the ter- determination that you had to fucking do that shit <laughs> you are a madman. my next platinum venture Kudos is gonna you, be a lot more fun i've already started uh and it's part of a, a bigger thing i'm doing uh with your brother we have decided to play through every single resident evil game before the release of resident evil village well, I mean, I say every single resi- every single canon Resident Evil game. We're not we're not playing Dead Aim or Survivor. You, I'm sorry, we're not doing that. Are you gonna play the uh, the remakes too? Uh, so what we did was we decided to just start with Resident Evil the remake, the 2002 or whatever year it was, GameCube first edition of that. Because that's basically just okay. like, you know, replaces Resident Evil 1. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't change anything. Yeah, it's still the same kind of gameplay, and they just added a bunch of cool stuff, and the graphics are better, and the cutscenes are less laughable, but not entirely unlaughable. And, um, and, uh, but then we went to Resident Evil 2. I just beat that the other day, and I mean the original Resident Evil 2. So, I feel like that is an entirely different experience from playing the Resident Evil 2 remake. I feel like those are more separate games in my head than Resident Evil and the Resident Evil remake. And that is also the case mm. for Resident Evil 3. The, those are two separate games, the the original and the remake. Uh, so I, I played through uh, remake with Chris. I never beat it with Chris. I wanted to do that. And then Josh played through it as Jill. We got both sides of the story. And then we're doing a similar thing now. I just beat Resident Evil 2 with Leon. And then we're going to do the B scenario we just started with Josh playing as Claire. Uh, And then once we get to Resident Evil 3, I don't know who plays it because it's a uh, one campaign thing. But we will see. We might just trade off on that one. Uh, those good games. And I've decided, uh, on my spare time, I'm going to start trying to platinum Resident Evil Remake because it's a lot of fun. 
I love that game, and I am willing to beat it like eight or so times to get the platinum. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm going through a it's run where I get every single item, and hopefully that will help familiarize myself with everything in the environment and help me eventually do a three-hour speed run and a knife-only run and then everything else. Uh, there's there's yeah. a lot of hard mm. modes in that game, but... I think I can do it. I just need to, like, you know, do it. Well, the nice thing about a game like that, right? You know, like, I, I don't mind beating games like those multiple times. I mean, shit, we all did it when Resident Evil 2 Remake came yeah. out. Because, like, the games are specifically, like, set up to where, like, you'll get so much better at it the more you play it. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah, that's kind of, like why I'm thinking it might be fun to do. It might take a while. I might not, you know, go through it as dedicated as I did, like, GTA V, where I just wanted it to be done. But um, I, uh, you know, I, I like that the plat is uh, extensive to the point of uh, just several different playthroughs. I was looking up a guide, and apparently you can do this in four playthroughs, and I don't understand how I'm expected to do that, because I feel like I would just not want to worry about certain other things while I'm trying to do... Like, it was recommending doing knife only with invisible enemies and shit, and I'm like, that sounds frustrating as shit. Mm -hmm. I can't even see this shit. Like, I want to do invisible enemies with, you know... Shooting them, I think. I, I think the auto-aim will still help. I'm not sure how it works yet. I'll get into it. If it's if it's fucking impossible, it's fucking impossible. We'll see. Right. <laughs> I'm at, at least living, uh, willing to uh, try. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Keep reporting back on Shit sounds cash. Yeah. We're about done with Resident Evil 2, and then uh, Resident Evil 3 is much quicker. We're playing all the canon ones, so uh, we still got to play like a lot of games, and and a lot of bad games too, like uh, Resident Evil 6. Most of them are not bad though. I don't want to play Resident Evil 6 again, but I guess we're going to. If we've decided to play all of them, that is part of it. And that's about all I've been doing. Hell yeah, dude. But yeah, that's that's that'll be a pretty fun that's a pretty fun thing to do leading up to that, man. Like Resident Evil games are great. Can't go Except wrong. For the one I just mentioned, but yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can still have fun with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well we can still have fun with it, but it's not fun. <laughs> no. You'll, you'll still be able to, you know, like, stand on the other end of the room and go, nice! Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> My favorite Resident Evil character, Agent. Yeah, dude, good guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so, I think uh, it's a good time enough to... It's the main event here.
My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. That's, uh... Let's, let's get it. Let's get it. It is a good... <laughs> um... Yeah, this is Hayao Miyazaki's fourth film, released in Japan yep. in 1988. Uh, the first English dub was produced by Streamline Pictures the following year and released to American theaters in 1994. So we actually got this one fairly early for a Miyazaki movie. Usually it takes years and years and years. However, when the rights to that dub expired in 2004, a new dub was commissioned by Walt Disney Pictures and released in 2006. That is the version I assume we watched. Uh, it is, yes. It's the one that's on HBO Max. That's where I'm watching all of these except Castle Cagliostro, which is on Netflix. Uh, Same. Good pitch for HBO Max. You know, you could tell me that I can watch that new terrible Jared Leto movie all you want. But that doesn't intrigue me as much as uh, being able to watch all of the Miyazaki movies whenever I want. I feel like that's a better pitch. <laughs> but, uh... So before I uh, get into a couple other things and a couple other trivias, let's just talk about the movie itself. Uh, yeah, alright. You go ahead first before I talk a lot about other things. <laughs> just like you just want me to like like talk about how I feel about it yeah just generally I mean I, we haven't really been doing okay. like plot descriptions for any of these like, right I, I, did, I don't there I is, don't think there is much of a plot to my neighbor Toto yeah that's what, that's what I was about to that's, say like there's not that's not a drag or anything that's more of a compliment than anything else this is a very chill movie with a very loose structure that I appreciate uh yeah it's really just it is really just a story about these two girls hanging out with the fucking the forest spirit, really. Yeah. And like it's or fun. whatever or whatever <laughs> Totoro is. What happens? Uh, that's, that's that's what their dad called him. So I don't, he's he's a smart old man. Sure. <laughs> it's just you got two little girls. They're moving to the countryside. Uh, their dad is a uh, a businessman of some sort. I forget what they said yeah. he does. He's like a teacher or something? I don't know. Um, I think he's a professor or something. Uh, and their mom is sick with some unnamed illness throughout the entirety of the movie. And she is living away from them, and this kind of like affects them a lot. Uh, the, movie, yeah. the movie gets a little dark towards the end. Uh, but, you know, thankfully their mom is fine. And, you know, I was just like, you know... I had seen other darker Miyazaki movies before I saw this one, and I was worried that the innocent, childlike nature of this movie would be shattered by the death of a parent, but it never gets to that point. It's just like, no. it's there as part of the movie and part of the why of how the end happens, I, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. It is the, the, the best best way, the best, you could say one word to describe it, and it's just whimsical, like, yeah. all the way through. This this is, like, like you were saying, super chill, just a nice little, like, I guess sort of a slice of life story, but it's about hanging out with Totoro. Yeah, it's really not, like, a realistic uh, thing, but, like, I, I kind of like how a lot of it... Uh, 
is viewed through the lens of like maybe they're just imagining it for the majority of the movie. Right. Maybe these kids right. are just pretending and imagining. And then you get to the end where it's like, well, I guess it had to be real, I guess, but it doesn't matter uh, either way. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of think pieces of, of about this movie that are like, is Totoro real or not in my neighbor Totoro? And I'm like, that doesn't fucking matter that much. Uh, what matters is that, you know, the kids' experiences of childhood. Uh, I, I approach it like, you know, it's kind of approached like there are things that little kids can see and interact with, but the adults cannot. Because, I, I don't know, they're too old to believe in, in that kind of stuff, maybe? It's not, like, stated outright like that, but... I think that's part of it, at least from my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, like... The movie has a good build-up to Totoro because there's other creatures. You got them, like, soot things. The little little, little, little yeah. black dust ghosts. Soot gremlins yeah, or whatever. Yeah, soot gremlins. <laughs> they interact with those when they first get to their house and find them all, and then they encounter those uh, the little Totoro thing and the littler Totoro thing, and that leads uh, May, the little the littlest sister, to Totoro's like forest den. She interacts with him and like sleeps on his big fat stomach as he like screams and, and stuff. Not not a bad scream, but just like a big roar, I guess. Uh, there's, like, a weird creepy edge to some of the creatures, but, like, it's all per- portrayed very innocently. Like, that cat bus is creepy as fuck. I like it, though. It's it's a friend, but it is creepy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's probably, like, Definitely. the most iconic, like, image of this movie is them sitting at the, the bus stop. With Totoro, mm-hmm. who just pulls up right I next to them. I love that shit, yeah. dude. That might be one of my the cat bus favorite parts of the entire movie, that bus stop scene. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's really... It's, really, it's, just, it's just a little heartwarming scene. Yeah, I just like the, the progression of it where they give Totoro the umbrella, and he, like, realizes what it is. And then he, yeah. like, makes the, the rain crash down and crash on their umbrellas, because that's, like, fun. You know, he's he's right. he's innocent and childlike himself. Right. Even though he is a very large beast of some sort. Some kind. Yeah. <laughs> something. It's something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. The, but the the cab bus is mega based. Yeah, it is. Right. But it is weird. It, it really makes me uncomfortable that like it, it it can shift its body proportions to let Totoro into the bus. Yeah, you don't like that it just like stretches its skin yeah, down it so just Totoro can climb in, dude. Skin hole open. Uh, <laughs> skin hole. <laughs> like it's it's weird. Um, Totoro has some kind of flying sliding. vehicle too that makes me wonder why he would even need the cat bus. Uh, when he's able to fly cool, on that bro. thing. I mean, yeah, I, I would ride in a cat bus if I had regular access to it, you know, of course. <laughs> anyway, all these ridiculous things that happen in the movie aside, they're kind of presented to you 
with with the exception of the the ending of the movie, in a kind of dreamlike state, in a kind of like this doesn't necessarily actually happen kind of state, and then the rest of the movie is presented with like to you with like very well done realism, like the way the little boy is shy and nervous around these little girls because he's probably never interacted with any of them before. Uh, The way he, like, tries not to talk to them, but is obviously interested in talking to them. Uh, The way the little girls play, the way the dad kind of laughs at things that they do, their interactions with everyone, the... It, it, It all feels meticulously well done and realistic. And then you have Totoro flying around on like a fucking flying disc and riding a cat bus and all that shit that is not very realistic, but is presented with the same level of care and craft, and it it sells it really well. Oh, it sells it super well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's... Yeah, it's. I wouldn't want anybody else doing something like this. Being honest, <laughs> the way the way this is like just then Miyazaki, I suppose. Off. Yeah. 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 It just like it's it's perfectly aligned. I don't know, like. I don't know if this would ever happen. The first film in, it, with an American studio, you know, because like. Yeah. American higher ups would ask, "Well, what happens in this movie? What's the plot?" And right. there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, like, shut the fuck up. I guess the closest thing to a plot is the stuff that happens at the end, where uh, they find out their mom isn't coming home uh, right away. And it, and it's not because yeah. she's, like, gonna die, It's it, but they don't know that. They don't know the whole information. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have easy access to a telephone. They have to go to, like, a neighbor's that has it and find out all this information. Yeah. and. The, the, the little girl, uh, the littler sister, becomes convinced that she needs to bring this corn that she has to the hospital because I, I think the old woman uh, next to them like claimed that, that her vegetables could help heal people. She just said it like flippantly, like not seriously, like, you know. Right. Uh, but the little girl doesn't know shit and, and is just trying to, you know, I have to go get this ear of corn to my mom, so she just goes to walk to the hospital and gets lost. And the the little girl being lost kind of sends that whole little town into an uproar, and they're looking, and this is about as, like, serious as the movie gets, because, like, you have this sense yeah. of, like, maybe something could actually happen to this little girl. Right. And nothing really does. Uh, what happens is the older sister after looking for her like a normal person would uh, just by actually looking, decides to go to Totoro to ask for help. And Totoro just gives her access to the cat bus, which knows exactly where to go to find May. And then they go to the hospital and drop off the ear of corn. And the parents interact with that, so that happened. (laughs) So cat bus is real. This is my new religion now, is that cat bus is real. True, true, this is fact. God is not real. 
but Totoro is, and so is the cat bus. This is uh this is the world I'd like to live in, please. Would you like to sign me up? I think it's a more innocent worldview than you know. I, I don't think Totoro punishes anybody for their sins. I think he just sleeps and snores and goes Totoro. Uh, I I feel like that's a better worldview. <laughs> you know, T- Totoro isn't gonna gonna stone somebody for being gay. So I like being for it. That we know of. No, he would not do that. Totoro's good. <laughs> that we know of. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Nah, man, he'd fucking, he'd fucking protect everybody. You good man. Yeah. Or at least, or at least a roar at you. He's he's good enough to help these little girls with their problem. Yeah. And make everything happy, and you get the happy ending. Everything's fine. And it, like it kind of just ends without the story like being done because there is no story you know this could be like an animated series where it's just like every week there's another weird totoro thing that happens but i'm glad it's not because it feels more pure that like he just kind of came up with the best ideas he could and just shoved them all in this movie apparently it was going to be shorter but like they just kept coming up with stuff so it was going to be like only an hour long and I'll get to why it was designed that way in a minute, but uh, it was designed to be shorter, and he just kept adding stuff. And it, uh, pretty soon it was 90 minutes, and he was like, "Well, I guess it has to be 90 minutes because it works." And he was right. Yep. I flipped the movie, and I flipped. I flipped a cat boss, dude. <laughs> You looking through the movie? Oh, his skin, yeah, his skin just opened, bro. Oh, oh. God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. So I guess, like, we should say, like, uh, favorite parts. I don't know if there's least favorite parts in this movie. Everything's pretty good. I would no. say favorite parts. What, what's yours, you think? Um, My favorite part's either um, pretty close to... Uh, Pretty close to the beginning, I guess. Uh, it's maybe the midway point in the movie where they where they plant the acorns and then uh and they go out and then they raise the tree. Yeah. That shit looks cool yeah, as fuck. That that is very well animated, like the the rapid right. growing of the trees to gargantuan. Yeah, and everything levels. like all the branches coming yeah. up out of it. It should like it looked so fucking cool. See my favorite like, part of that scene is so the, well the really like quick asides to the dad grading papers or whatever he's doing inside yeah uh and he just doesn't notice and or care at the things that are happening he just doesn't pay attention which is really funny (laughs) to me uh that one is explicitly a dream because they wake up and the trees are not like gargantuan but they did sprout so it's the suggestion that like that was like not a dream but kind of was because they Mm -hmm. did sprout the acorns that they planted that they got from totoro but not not like that. <laughs> right. Also love the big cat bus journey towards the end of the movie. I think that's my favorite motherfucker. part. Because that's also... He gets up on the fucking the electric poles and oh, shit. Oh, that's so fucking awesome. <laughs> he just zooms past uh, Granny and the, the little boy at one point, And it's just like at high speed and they don't see it. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> like... I just love like the journey it goes through, or just like bounding over the countryside and crawling on the telephone poles. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Fucker's crazy, dude. <laughs> it's a great little movie. So let's talk a little bit yeah. about 
uh, its release and how that is a weird thing that oh. makes me uncomfortable a little bit. No. Um, so My Neighbor Totoro was produced simultaneously with another Studio Ghibli film, Grave of the Fireflies, directed by Studio Ghibli co-founder Isao Takahata, the longtime collaborator with Miyazaki. Started on uh, Lupin stuff and have continued until his unfortunate death, I think, fairly recently. Takahata died. Yeah. Uh, Miyazaki's still going. I don't know how much longer, but hopefully long enough to make one last movie, and we'll see. I don't know when we'll get to that one, yeah. because I think it's not done yet. Uh, nope, it's we, not. We'll see. Everything got hella delayed because oh, of COVID. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So these two films are immensely different. However, in some insane act of cruelty... It was decided to release these on a double bill. <laughs> this is how these movies were initially released to the public in Japan. If you are familiar with both films, this is yep. an insane double feature. You know, it's completely wild. Uh, I have never seen all of Grave of the Fireflies, but you have. Yeah, no, it, it is a it is a heart wrenching, depressing mess of a film. <laughs> it's a very very bleak movie about the horrors of World War II, that is filled is with literal death of adults, literal and child children, death, right? Yeah, yeah. So, right. Um, My neighbor Totoro is not that. It is a very chill movie filled with childlike wonder. Now there, which one? Like I, the young, the young, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll tell you which one they showed first, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of yes. similarities <laughs> between the two films, however. Uh, both are about siblings. Both dwell uh -huh. on the potential or actual uh, death of a parent. Uh, right. <laughs> both feature a camphor tree quite prominently. Uh, but the main difference between the two films are their, their tones and their worldview. Uh, in test screenings... It was determined that showing My Neighbor Totoro before Grave of the Fireflies was a fucking terrible idea. Uh, right, correct. <laughs> as audiences were apparently known to leave before the second film was even finished. Uh, Totoro was a joyous experience. And they're like, wow, can't wait for this second Ghibli movie. And then it was Grave of the Fireflies, and they were just like, I gotta go home. I can't handle this. <laughs> I gotta leave. You can't just fill me with hope and then drain it all. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So, showing Grave of the Fireflies first and My Neighbor Totoro second, however, seemed to work much better. Now, I assume this because, yeah, because the first film sucks all the hope out of your soul, and then the second film right, and then the fills it back up. Yeah. Yeah, it just puts it back. It's like it's a good palate cleanser. Yeah. Now, I still question whether even this is a feasible way to watch these films at all. No! Uh, I, I question <laughs> this at, uh, completely. Uh, Never, don't do this. Yeah, don't do this. This is a very dumb double feature. No, just watch Grave of the Fireflies, cry, and go to bed. 
and then like the next day watch Totoro. <laughs> I I can understand like trying to set up a double feature like on your own accord where you watch like a depressing movie and then a heartwarming movie, but having this be the way that, that these movies were watched in their initial release is is just kind of insane. Uh yeah. I don't know. Anyway, guys, I got a good double feature I want to pitch to you. Uh, first, you watch Sallow or the 120 Days of Sodom. Uh-huh. And then you watch Monsters, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Great double feature, a hit with the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with an apt comparison. Yeah, sure. It's just like, why would you do this to people? It's, Sallow, Why would you I show Great with Flutter? Why would you show Grey with the Fireflies to a kid? I see Sallow brought up a lot as like one of the most controversial movies ever ever made. And I read I read a plot description on Wikipedia, and that is as far as I will go down the rabbit yeah. hole that is that movie. I right. I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to watch even a second of that fucking movie. No thank you. Nope. Monsters Inc. is pretty good though. <laughs> Monsters Inc. is great. So anyway, beyond that, uh, I was wondering when Totoro technically takes place because it is in the past because of the lack of technology. Like they don't even have a phone in their house. Uh, They need to go to the neighbors to get a phone and we're not shown a lot of modern, even for the, the year this movie was released, technology. Uh, right. The film doesn't necessarily take place in any specific time period, according to Miyazaki, but the storyboards for the movie placed it in 1955, okay. which kind of creates another interesting parallel with Grave of the Fireflies, because one takes place in World War II, and one takes place post-World War II, and maybe even, according to some people... In a society where World War II never took place, because it's like <laughs> idyllic, and I, I wouldn't say utopian, because there's still obviously problems in my neighbor Totoro that happen. Right. But I have I have seen some people theorize that that it's like you know maybe they were trying to make a point by having these films back to back, but I I don't know. I just think it's kind of a cruel point to make. I feel like my enjoyment of Totoro would be tainted by my viewing of Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, directly. Yeah. Next to it? Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> you don't... That's not how you put together a double feature, my guy. I was re- reading a review. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't source it. I forget the source. I'm sorry, man. Uh, um of these two movies and and the guy kind of like said that like the most stressed out he was during the entire viewing experience of both movies was actually when Mai went missing and that was entirely because of everything that happened in grave of the fireflies because not knowing how totoro plays out actually Mm -hmm. like with grave of the fireflies having been watched kind of makes you fucking stressed out during that part probably more than you would be normally because if right. you're just watching Totoro on its own, it's like, oh, cool, everything will work out and everything's fine, everything's happy, yay. But watching Grave of the Fireflies before Totoro, without any knowledge of the two films prior to it, 
that could fuck with you hard. <laughs> I can see that being stressful. Uh, thankfully, I did not watch these movies this way. And I do not recommend you do so either. No, please yeah. don't. Like, like I was saying before, watch Grave of the Fireflies, cry, go to sleep. <laughs> Wake up. You can have a lot of crusties in your eyes because you were crying. Wipe that shit out. <laughs> Sit down. Get some popcorn. Watch My Neighbor Totoro, and you'll be happy. And well-rested. Yeah. That's the move. Anyway. Totoro is quite possibly the most long-time successful film from Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Now, the film earned... 41 million worldwide during its various theatrical releases in different parts of the world, but that is completely eclipsed by the money brought in from A, the many home video releases, which totals about 277 million, and B, the merchandise sales, which eclipse both of those combined by a wide margin. Uh, The number I'm looking at here of merch... Like stuffed Totoros and cat buses and toys. 1.142 billion is the number I'm looking at here. This is the movie, this is the character that made Studio Ghibli like what it is. Uh, Yeah, 100%. Like, obviously, this being his fourth film, Miyazaki was already on a roll. His three films prior to this are all masterful and great. But now, all of a sudden, we have an extremely marketable mascot character for Studio Ghibli. And he becomes their logo, and it's something they can sell. And the budget goes up, 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 up. And honestly, I'm kind of impressed that... Miyazaki let his craft and the company, like, despite the massive amount of money in it, in, he kept, like, the dignity of, like, you know, there's never been a My Neighbor Totoro 2. Well, basically, I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, American studios faced with this kind of success would immediately start pumping out sequels and spin-offs and animated series and the next movie in Miyazaki's canon is has not is completely different and that continues to be the case throughout his entire career the man doesn't make sequels the man doesn't uh, yeah. he always comes up with a new unique idea obviously there's motifs and recurring elements but i respect the fuck out of him for that because I'm sure that temptation was there, whether he would admit it or not. Because $1.142 billion is an insane amount of money. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. There's no way, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like, he's unconvicted about it, I guess. For the better, I think. Being able to continue telling more diverse stories. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this dub cast. Yeah. Because, uh, like all the other Disney dubs, it's pretty fucking good. One of the, one of the better dubs for a movie I've ever heard. I think it works really well. Uh, we got Dakota Fanning, 
as Satsuki, the older sister. Uh, you know Dakota Fanning. You can hear her scream in War of the Worlds. Yeah, dude. That was like one of her older roles, though. Uh, I, I don't know. I suppose like you know her from... Uh, I liked her a lot in Coraline. Uh, Coraline's yeah, a very, fucking very excellent good. animated movie that... Uh, I, I don't know. I'd say it's a little under the radar. I don't see people talk about it as much as other animated movies. Uh, love that movie. Um, she's in those Twilight sequels, I guess. Uh, she's in uh, The Runaways... Also with Kristen Stewart. Uh, she just showed up in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, as one of the Manson girls, and I didn't even know it was her. Uh, she did a great performance because she completely transformed herself into a weirdo Manson girl. Uh, and Dakota Fanning's sister, Elle Fanning, voiced May. Which is actually kind of cool that they got actual sisters because it works really well. Uh, the chemistry is there, or, or whatever you the word is for not a relationship that way. I don't know. Do people say that for just any relationship, familial or romantic? I don't know. They acted well together because related. Right. Okay. Elle Fanning is not as, like, you know, in as many things, but she was in Super 8, which is a good little movie, uh, before J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams uh, made uh, Trash, apparently. Uh, yeah! <laughs> uh, the Neon Demon, which I've never seen, and I've kind of always wanted to. It's the, the director of Drive. Uh, I, I think currently she's in uh, The Great, about Catherine the Great, on... Uh, is that Hulu? I don't really know. Uh, so the dad character, Tatsuo, is voiced by Tim Daly. And I recognized his voice immediately because that's Superman uh, from sure Superman is. the Animated Series. This is the voice I hear in my head when I'm reading a Superman comic book. Same. Uh, 100%. You know, just as much as I hear... The Kevin Conroy Batman or the Mark Hamill Joker, I hear the Tim Daly Superman. Um, some people may hear the the other guy who voiced him in Justice League. It was not Tim Daly. I think Tim nope. Daly had other commitments and couldn't uh, voice the character. Uh, I think I think it was on good terms though because he's come back to do several uh, animated movies for DC over the years. Uh, Tim Daly also has like a cool little role in The Sopranos that I forgot about. Uh, Christopher shoots him in the fucking head. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Tim Daly. Uh, anyway, uh, the mom character, Yasuko, is voiced by Leah Salonga. I hope I didn't butcher that name. Uh, the most famous things I saw that she has done uh, that I wouldn't know about. I mean, she's like a very famous Broadway actress. Uh, but she was the singing voice of Jasmine and Mulan in Aladdin and Mulan. Uh, it's weird that they chose someone who does singing voices to do a non-singing at all part. is is just only speaking. But uh, this fine. Uh, we got Paul Butcher as Kanta, the little boy. Uh, he has not been in it nearly as much. He was in Zoe 101. Good, good for him. Hell yeah, dog. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Pat Carroll as Granny. I recognize that voice as well, uh, and it's because that's the voice of Ursula from The Little Mermaid, which is a distinct voice. I should have said Ursula from the Kingdom Hearts series. That would have been funny. Damn. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Uh, And my favorite tidbit here is Frank Welker as Totoro and Cat Buzz. He voiced both. Uh, Mm -hmm. Frank Welker is awesome. He is a voice actor from way back. He is the voice of Fred from Scooby-Doo. And I don't just mean (laughs) now. I mean, since its inception, he has voiced Fred Jones and still voices Fred Jones in everything except that new Scoob movie that apparently sucked anyway. Uh, He will continue to voice Fred until he dies. He is also now the voice of Scooby-Doo himself since the year 2002. So if you've heard any Scooby-Doo since that year... That's Frank Welker as well. He's really good at sounding like a creature. <laughs> um, uh, he, he has a great vocal range. Uh, he's also the voice of Megatron in nearly all appearances of that Transformers character. Uh, I believe the only time it's not Frank Welker is in some of the Michael Bay movies where it is Hugo Weaving instead. But... For every single cartoon since the original 80s Transformers cartoon, it is Frank Welker. He is also Nibbler on Futurama. <laughs> I believe both the speaking voice Nibbler and the like, Nibbler. That's the vocal range of this man. That's pretty pretty fucking wild. He's incredible. Just like if you want to have a have a trip, just look at his IMDb page sometime. Frank Walker has voiced everything from uh, uh, Totoro to the Anaconda in Anaconda. It it is insane. (laughs) There's quite a resume on this man. Hell yeah. Love it, dude. Dude's a madman. Absolutely. Um, Well... With that, um, you want to rank this bitch? I do, but before I do... Oh, you got one more thing. Well, I mean, I would just like to say that the movie was a huge success, as as we all, all, as, oh, yeah. as would be expected. Financially and critically, we got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I would like to shout out uh, our good old dead friend, Roger Ebert, who we mentioned several times on this show, mm-hmm. and love to look at his reviews. Uh... He gave My Neighbor Totoro four stars and said it was one of the best films of all time. No cap. Uh, he uh, he <laughs> is a lover of, of Miyazaki's work in general, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to quote uh, the opening paragraph of his review. Uh, i got to pull it up here. There we go. Okay. So, quote. Here is a children's film made for the world we should live in rather than the one we occupy. A film with no villains, no fight scenes, no evil adults, no fighting between the two kids, no scary monsters, no darkness before the dawn. A world that is benign. A world where if you meet a strange towering creature in the forest, you curl up on its tummy and have a nap. End quote. Uh... He goes on to just lavish praise on it, as you should, because it is a good movie. 
Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing too. Like, goddamn that that dude's good at writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, before we rank right. it, uh, the one last thing I wanted to mention here is there is a sequel to My Neighbor Totoro, and it blew my mind that it exists. It's a short, thirteen-minute film released in two thousand three, directed by Miyazaki. It's titled May and the Kitten Bus. Uh, now, if you've never heard of this, that doesn't surprise me because it is super rare. It's never had an official release on home video or streaming. It has never had an English dub. The only way to watch this film is at one of its regular showings at the Ghibli Museum. You have to go to the Ghibli Museum. That's uh, in Japan, if you're right. keeping score. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> for American audiences, that's a little tricky to do. Uh, yeah. But I I haven't watched it yet. It, there, there are illegal means to watch this movie. People have recorded it and put it on things. I haven't looked into it that closely yet. Uh and I found out about this like maybe just like yesterday or the day before we were recording, uh, and I haven't mm-hmm. had time to look into it. Uh, the short introduces, as the title would suggest, the offspring of Cat Bus, Kitten Bus. Uh, it's a cat bus, but it's tiny, and May can ride around in it by herself, and she's like the only thing that could fit in it. Uh, very cute. Uh, I'm sure it's just, you know, kind of like what I was saying, how, like, My Neighbor Totoro could be a TV show, where just, like, there's a new adventure with Totoro and the other things in the forest every week. This is that. You know, it's nothing, like, groundbreaking, but it's another cute little Totoro thing, and I think that's cool. And I think it's a shame that no one is allowed to watch it, unless you go to the museum... (laughs) Yeah, screw that. Give it Unless to us. Unless you buy a plane ticket to Japan, which good luck doing that now, and uh, head to Miyazaki's house, uh, you're not allowed to see it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to walk up, bang on that door, and be like, hey, <laughs> let me see that kitten bus. Who pulls out a gun? Oh, no. Where's the kitten bus? <laughs> <laughs> Sounding like the antithesis of everything. Put the kitten about, bus in the bag and no one gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you want to get dark, we can get dark. You know, like if all the Ghibli movies happen in the same universe, Justin. Uh huh. Why didn't Totoro help the kids that die at the end of Grave of the Fireflies? Because he wasn't around yet, dude. What do you fucking mean he wasn't around yet? He's probably eternal. I don't know if Totoro ages. Uh, probably not. Totoro could have stopped World War II, but chose not uh, to. How, how would he have stopped World War II? Please tell me. Uh... <laughs> He grows, he grows trees. Yeah. I don't understand what you want. No, no, he just does a little dance. The, the Nazis stop burning the Jews. You know, it's just... Jesus fucking Christ. Man, that's how it works. He could have did that, but he chose not to. All right? 
You saying that Totoro is complicit in World Totoro War II? Totoro is complicit in the war crimes that took place during World War II. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, even though I just said it out of my mouth. Uh, you're fucking... <laughs> Your fucking mouth cheek said that fucking <laughs> word. I'm pissed. <laughs> Don't do this to my man. Yeah, no, he's too he pure. Deserve it. I'm sorry, everybody. That's right. You fucking apologize, <laughs> motherfucker. Well, anyway, how about this for an apology? Yeah. This is his best movie so far. No cap. Done. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, pencil like I, I know that Castle in the Sky is fucking great and maybe more energetic and action packed than this movie. And that's what that's that's what's at number one right now. Uh, Castle in the Sky, yeah. then Castle of Cagliostro, then uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I keep saying the title of that one wrong. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, which I think sounds better in my brain. Yeah. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is like too many of those. So like right. my brain substitutes one with and the because I, I think my brain thinks it sounds better. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Nausicaa, by the way, as a quick aside before we, we rank Totoro. Uh, oh, God, I lifted it because I, I wanted to look at it, but. This is heavy. Uh, I got... This is the sound of it. A big, big-ass <laughs> fucking hardcover two-volume set of the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind manga by Miyazaki. And it is fucking gorgeous. It is huge. It, it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot It's there. like two giant high school textbooks sized. Um... Not that it's very long, it's just made very large, uh, which I appreciate because I can appreciate the art in it better. It came with a poster, and the poster is fucking gorgeous. Uh, the whole thing is fucking gorgeous. I cannot wait to dig into that and read that. Um, to think I was about to try and read this illegally online when I could have just spent a ridiculous amount of money to purchase this. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Good move, bud. <laughs> Thank you, it. government, for supplying the funds necessary <laughs> to buy this. Didn't you know that there's a fucking Panzer Dragoon going on outside and you're fucking out <laughs> here? A Panzer Dragoon out there? Look, man, I demand my 1400 However, I will spend it on shark cards in GTA Online, and you cannot tell me to. Oh, I'm no. just kidding. I won't do that. But... I That's, feel like you need to buy something. I feel like you need to buy something cool for yourself every once in a while. Not all the government's Should. money has to go towards toilet paper, okay? I'm allowed right. to buy a big ass Miyazaki manga for myself as a snack, okay? As a snack, right. as a treat. <laughs> so yeah, do you agree that my neighbor Totoro is the best so far? Yeah, pencil that shit in. All right. So officially, the Absolutely. list is number one, My Neighbor Totoro. Number two, Castle in the Sky. Number three, Castle of Cagliostro. Number four, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I'll try to get that 
title hammered through my brain. But as we will constantly reiterate, last place is still first place for probably every other series we've ever watched on Gen and Jub. Uh, Pretty close, yeah. (laughs) That's how good this man is at making the movies. Now, uh, give me one second. I want to see what we're watching next week. Absolutely. I believe off the top of my head, it is Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, it should be. Uh, And that is what it is. Yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service released the following year in 1989. Uh, I have seen this one before. I'm excited to watch it again. This is also really good. I don't know if I will say it is better than Totoro. It has a shot, though. It has a shot. Because... This is this yeah. this movie's fucking excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful movie. I'm very very excited to watch it. Hell Similarly, yeah. uh, a movie that's just a vibe for for the majority of it. The the plot is very simple, which mm-hmm. I like those kind of movies sometimes. Not everything needs to have a labyrinthine big ass Christopher Nolan dialogue heavy plot. You know, sometimes it's just like chill yeah. with the cat bus. Hang out with the go jump in the cat bus to stop World War Two. <laughs> oh, man, the cat bus has to go assist Air Bud with the, the World War Two air raid. Air Bud, huh? I think we already or did we say Air Bud went to Vietnam, not World War Two? Airbud Air is, is younger. Okay. Did Airbud right. live through Vietnam? Probably. I guess he had to to be in all the other Airbud movies. Are we saying Airbud? V- right. But like dogs don't live that long, Justin. Uh, I mean, they live for a bit. So he was in Vietnam. Let's say he was like two years old when he went to Vietnam, which is a little under the draft age. So that's kind of illegal. Fucking Nixon, I right. swear to God. But but so like. I don't know. I, I guess he could live to be in the other Airbud movies where he is a basketball slash football slash soccer slash racquetball slash tennis star, whatever else he does. One Hell day we'll yeah. learn when we watch the masterpieces that are the Airbud films. But uh, yeah, dude, Totoro don't hold a candle. <laughs> that shit. Hopefully, that's like episode Totoro three hundred of the Ken and Chubb show. I don't want to do it anytime soon. Sorry, Airbud. Fucking, you see Totoro fucking playing basketball? No, I don't think he so. He could if he fucking wanted to, Jusby. Show some respect. Uh, He's really tall. No, he just he could dunk on some people. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure. Unfair. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. Let's see if Totoro can dunk on Shaq. <laughs> Totoro could 100 percent dunk on Shaq. <laughs> and also 100% be complicit in the war crimes uh, of World War II. Jesus fucking Christ. You're back at it again? You can't get it out of your it's mind? It's funny. That's why. Sorry. I'm going to get this fucking podcast out of my mind. All right. Next week, Kiki. See you, see you then. Okay, bye. Get the fuck yeah. out of here.